Wow, a lot of you here, this is fantastic. Um, so, uh, delighted to be here this morning. Uh, thank you, of course, to Longwoods and uh, the sponsors for hosting uh, the event. Um, had a lovely breakfast and a, and a great cup of coffee, so much appreciated. I think it's been about five years uh, since I was last speaking at breakfast with the Chiefs, and I would say a lot's happened in the last five years. Um, and I'm without my sidekick, because last time I did this, I was with Matt Anderson, and uh, at, this, at exactly about this moment, uh, he looked at me and said, if it goes badly, Helen, we're just going to hold hands behind the podium. Um, it wasn't a clear podium that day, so... Uh, <laughs> anyway, we've been busy, as you can imagine, and uh, getting to know a new government in the early days of their mandate. Um, I, I did that initially from the Treasury Board platform, so got an understanding of, of the players and got in early, I think actually on June the 8th, um, and uh, then was quickly appointed to, basically to come home uh, to the Ministry of Health and Long-Term Care, and it's been my great pleasure uh, to be back at the ministry. And uh, I would say, again, a lot has happened uh, in the time that I was gone and traveling uh, the world. Uh, with international trade, and, and uh, I see a group of, uh, of both patients and providers who are more passionate than ever uh, about the work that they do. Uh, so I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, where the change is. I guess I have to do this myself, eh? Oh, that would be good. All right, now I just turn the thing off. That's fantastic. Okay. That, there, there we go. So, um, see what the, the reason for change is, and you probably all know this, you know, working in the sector. Uh, we know that, uh, you know, Ontario has world-class uh, healthcare services provided by some of the best professionals in the world, and I think, you know, the outcomes that we achieve are, are remarkable. Um, but I would say at the same time, um, many of us, and I would include myself and my family, experience a healthcare system that is at times, you know, disconnected and that the handoffs between providers uh, really doesn't work along, an, along the patient journey. And we've also heard in, in a number of reports, whether it's you know, the Auditor General or whether you know, it's uh, from our own patient and family advisory councils, and there are now many of them in the sector, um, they really feel like they're not supported a, along a, a care journey, particularly as I say, they move from one care setting to another. And, People tell us over and over again that they have to tell their story and that the information doesn't follow them as, uh, as their journey continues. So I'm going to talk a little bit about how we're going to try and solve some of those uh, challenges, walk you through the government's plan, um, understand the values that underline uh, the work on the plan, um, talk about how we're going to better connect care, because that's what it's really all about. Um, the role of Ontario health teams and what we hope the role that they will play in a transformed healthcare system. And then finally talk a little bit about Ontario Health, which is uh, uh, when the legislation is passed, is going to be the agency that works with the government, the stakeholders, patients, families, caregivers to try and make the, uh, the more continuous journey that I think all of us are hoping to achieve. And then really how we're going to create a sustainable healthcare system together. And there is a lot of opportunity here to, uh, to shape the work of, uh, of Ontario Health Team to, oh, there we go, wrong slide. I'll learn this by the time we get through this. So really trying to think about what is the vision around connected care. And for those of you who might have had a chance to see uh, Minister Elliott talk about this, she talks about this with great passion and, and interest. And I think, you know, talking about how to uh, improve the patient experience in a number of ways, really supporting uh, care providers to organize themselves and work as one coordinated team. And this really is not an idea that the ministry has uh, dreamt up. This is an idea that has come from the sector and you know, has been, in many ways, the work that you've been doing over the last few years. It's giving it a little bit more structure and animating, I think, uh, the aspirations of the people who work in the sector. Um, looking at how we can coordinate and make those transitions uh, to become more smooth and organized uh, for patients. And really providing support for patients uh, to be able to navigate the system 24-7. And we're saying that deliberately. We really are hoping that you know, the Ontario health teams will be able to put into place systems and supports that will provide care around the clock for those who need it and access to navigation services. Uh, we know that, again, in pockets, we're able to have patients who can coordinate the various uh, 
different healthcare providers and appointments uh, electronically, and they can book online and do all the modern things that we can do when we travel or bank. Uh, but th that isn't uniform across the system. Uh, we want to have a system where we see uh, people as whole people rather than just as a single disease or condition. And under the plan, uh, we're going to integrate the multiple provincial agencies um, that actually intersect with the delivery system um, and really provide a central point of accountability uh, and oversight for the healthcare system so that we're actually all rowing in the same direction. There, I'm finally getting the hang of it. Um, so really focusing on patient care and, and again, having arrived back at the ministry, we had a very active and engaged patient, patient and family uh, advisory council and they've created a patient declaration of values and if you haven't had a chance to look at it, I really would commend it to you. It's a really important touchstone for us as we think about what is the system uh, that we want to create and it's really done in the words of patients, by patients, families and, and caregivers and I think it will provide us the guidance to make sure that we're actually doing right by the people that we serve. Um, it really talks about patients as partners, not only in the sort of design and work in the delivery system, but also as, as partners in their own health. Um, it uh, addresses you know, topics such as respect and dignity, uh, the expectations around empathy and compassion, uh, accountability, transparency, equity and engagement. And there's a lot behind those words, and uh, they really are uh, phrased as, you know, we expect the system to do these things for us. And I think it's a really uh, important piece of work. And it certainly is guiding our work provincially, and I hope that it will inform, you know, the evolution of Ontario health teams and the individual interactions, you know, the millions that happen uh, every day in, in the healthcare system. So first of all, I would say, you know, transforming a system is a big change. Um, for those of you who know me, I used to have the NHS uh, change model in my office just to remind me how complicated this is and how we have to pull all the various levers to make a, a, a change that is big enough that one would call it a transformation. Uh, we know um, that's a long-term proposition and we need to continue to consult with our partners and stakeholders uh, to ensure um, our, our collective success and so really we're just beginning and uh, I would say that uh, we are continuing to engage with the, as I mentioned the Minister's Patient Family Advisory Council as well as the Premier's Council on uh, Improving Healthcare and Ending Hallway uh, Medicine and they've been incredibly helpful advisors to us and will continue to be as we kind of plot this journey uh, together. Um, for those of you who, who like that sort of thing, we've, uh, the legislation has, uh, uh, is out there. It's actually, um, I guess there's hearings yesterday and, and today where um, organizations are making uh, deputations on the legislation. There's some very good ideas have come forward about uh, you know, making that legislation better. So we'll see if we can accommodate uh, some of those, if not all of them. But I, I'm, I'm pleased to say that you know, in the preamble as well as in the legislation, it really talks about um, the recognition of the diversity of Ontario's communities, including acknowledgement of the requirements of the French Language Services Act and uh, the, the, the unique role of, uh, of our Indigenous communities. And so um, if passed, the legislation would see the creation both of a French Language Health Services Advisory Council that will respect the role of the planning, uh, French language planning uh, groups as well as potentially uh, more than one Indigenous um, Health Council, really to continue to advise the Minister about the health and, and service delivery issues as it relates to their communities and making sure that our solutions are, are customized to the needs. So I'm going to talk next about Ontario Health Teams. Uh, I must say this is an idea that has animated the sector and I'm mindful that you know five years ago I was here talking about health links and I think very much that the work that was done on health links is actually informing the work on, on Ontario health teams. Ontario health teams give them, I think, a little more structure, wants to clearly cover the province um, at a point in time, but also has a lower rules environment and ability for providers to shape the solution to their particular geography or population. And I think, you know, uh, what's quite exciting for us is uh, I know everybody's waiting on the guidance uh, material and I'm hoping that that will come out before the end of the week. Uh, but as a, as a practical matter, I think we've received four or five um, Ontario health team proposals and we haven't even sent the guidance material out. So somebody's excited about something. 
which I think is, is great. Um, obviously, we've been talking about this for a while. The legislation does describe in the broadest sense. Um, some might be critical of us in terms of not coming up with a master blueprint and um, you know, a, a very prescriptive model for how Ontario health teams are going to work. But I actually like the fact that it can be, that, you know, we're going to set the outcomes and we're going to be uh, quite dogged about what the outcomes are and some of the expectations about improvements for patients. Uh, but we're not going to be as prescriptive about the governance and the organization as long as providers are working together. And uh, for those of you who, who uh, read these things, uh, it wasn't that long ago, like in the last couple of weeks, a, um, there was an article by the King's Fund that described um, some of the, the attributes of you know, successful integration efforts, and it really is about relationships. And so, you know, one of the things we're going to look for is, do you have the relationships in place to be able to actually uh, partner together um, and to, to support each other uh, to really work as one coordinated team uh, for patients? And so, you know, at a minimum, uh, we're hoping that um, a team would be comprised of, you know, primary care, hospital services, mental health services, home care, long-term care, and, and others. And I'll go back to you know, some of the thinking around the most complex patients, because that clearly is still part of the Ontario Health Team idea, is that there's still an opportunity here to connect better with other social services beyond health. And the experience we had in, with, with Health Links, which I imagine will be repeated here, was it didn't take very long for the health tables to start merging with the community support tables and the justice tables as they were looking at whole people. And I think there's a real opportunity here uh, to do that. And so really these integrated teams are intended to um, provide a full range of, uh, of health services to patients. And here's the, the list. Um, and really streamline navigation for those who need it. And so some of the work that Walter Woodchess has done uh, around sort of segmentation and looking at the population I think will be very helpful uh, to the work of Ontario health teams. Like accountable care organizations and some of the other models that we've looked at around the world, the team will be held clinically and fiscally accountable for delivering a coordinated care, uh, continuum of care to patients. And so, you know, we're going to have to look at how we fund, how we organize ourselves as a ministry in order to be able and enabled to do that. So really, you know, Ontario health teams are going to be responsible for understanding, you know, a patient's health care needs and history and connecting them uh, to the different uh, types of care and really deal with, you know, some of the transition points and the organization of care that have proven to be problematic for, for many Ontarians. Um, it really is about, you know, seamless access to care, um, easier transitions from one uh, setting to another, the comprehensiveness of the service, and then really, you know, and part of the reason why we've, and I'll get to this, have put the digital health capacity with the clinical organization inside Ontario Health is to make sure that patients have um, access to digital tools uh, such as virtual visits um, and digital access to their own uh, health records. And there are jurisdictions um, that do a whole lot better than we do in those areas. And I think it's time that we actually started to modernize the delivery of, uh, of health care in a way that, that patients um, expect. So we're also hoping that, that, uh, that care providers will also benefit. So this is, a, I think, a win for everybody uh, from the expansion of digital tools as well, so enabling them to move quickly and comprehensively across, um, to get the information they need, um, such as special advice and clinical supports. Again, we've got excellence in pockets and we've got some areas of the province that are using those tools on a regular basis and some are not. And so how do we make that a regular feature of the healthcare system, um, I think is a challenge ahead of us. I think really it's the, um, you know, we've got some work to do uh, to enable um, the, the funding and accountability. We have great experience with bundled payment. This is kind of a new uh, frontier for us in terms of really kind of developing a funding model for a whole population of patients and then allowing the Ontario health teams to actually move the money around to best suit the needs of the patient population that they're trying to serve. And so again, the lower rules environment that was part of HealthLinks is very much part of uh, the Ontario health teams, uh, the value proposition there. We know that there are terrific examples already of providers coming together to provide a coordinated, connected patient care. And uh, I think that uh, 
we've got you know a chance to really animate you know the sector uh, to uh, take all those good ideas to actually spread them across the province and make that much more available as a regular course of business for uh, for patients. So what does an Ontario health team actually look like? As I mentioned, it's really not one size fit all by any means. Um, we're hoping that emerging health teams will consult with their local communities and determine how best to organize themselves to meet those circumstances, including uh, First Nations, Métis, Inuit, and Francophone uh, populations. We also know the geography of the province is vast and varied. And uh, I'm reminded, you know, from my time at Cancer Care Ontario, you know, that Northwestern Ontario is the size of France. And so the solutions that are going to work in Northwestern Ontario are not the ones that are going to work in downtown Toronto. And so the governance and the organization has to be, I think, customized to, to the characteristics of the population and the geography that we're trying to serve. And so this is really an opportunity for providers to take the lead on, on what they're doing and, and uh, organize in the way that best achieves you know, a set of outcomes that are going to be identified in the guidance material in the, in the coming days. Also just want to talk a little bit about you know, how does one become an Ontario health team and there's kind of been a big rush and people are worried about getting in the door early. I would say we're taking a very organized and stepwise process. So um, they will be established in phases across the province. Uh, we will provide guidance and we'll provide a tremendous amount of support to ensure that the Ontario health teams are successful. Um, you know, this is, uh, I think, uh, would say, you know, there, there are opportunities, you know, for us to leverage the ministry's data assets, the clinical leadership that uh, exists in the province, um, the research, the health services, um, you know, uh, analysis and, and other things to really make sure that you have a running start on, on creating uh, a health team. We're not going to place particular restrictions on the types of health providers and the organizations um, that, that are going to apply, but they have to meet the minimum requirements that are critical to success. And we're hoping that over time, that initial group will actually grow and include uh, more providers. Uh, really, we're looking at, you know, again, providing, you know, coordinated care um, and, and the process will be, there'll be initially a self-assessment. So are you ready? Do you have the relationships, the data, the understanding of the population? Can you commit to doing this? Uh, and so it's really a moment of reflection to figure out whether, you know, a community actually has got all the ingredients uh, to do this. Based on, you know, an analysis, some will be invited to uh, submit a full application and others will be uh, suggested that they've got some more work to do and again we'll continue that relationship um, as, they, uh, as, they, as they work through uh, their Ontario Health Team proposal. We actually want to go out and see them. Uh, I guess we want to see the relationships, we want to see how it's actually working on the ground and so part of the assessment process will be an in-person visit with the whole team and uh, see how that actually feels uh, to us and, and make sure that uh, everybody's really on board for, for working together uh, differently. And then, you know, even those that don't make it necessarily in the first round will certainly continue to receive our support to become ready. And it's going to take us a few years to cover the whole province, but the intention is very clear that we want Ontario health teams to be a regular feature of the delivery system in Ontario. Um, and, uh, you know, we will work there, uh, work together to get there. Our hope is that the small group of early adopters um, that we hope to identify by the summer will be part of our kind of teaching capacity so that the others will learn from the first cohort. And obviously, um, you know, the way that we work uh, with, the, with the first group might be a little different than the way we work with the last 10% um, who, uh, you know, might have other sort of relationship and other issues uh, to get there. But I would say, you know, there's, there's great enthusiasm and it really is because this is an idea that comes largely from the sector. And you know our job in the ministry is to really animate it and uh, make it make sense uh, in its implementation. So I'm going to talk a little bit about Ontario Health. Um, this is probably the part of the uh, of the plan that's uh, received you know a lot of the attention. Um, although I would say that Ontario Health teams are really the ground game for for transformation. So Ontario Health is really uh, going to bring together uh, the many provincial agencies that offer clinical guidance, evaluation, uh, public information, health sector analysis, and you know many of these organizations have world-class uh, standards and methods of implementation that the government is hoping to replicate and amplify across the, across the system. 
as you heard from my biography, you know, I did that um, while I was at Cancer Care Ontario in terms of taking the methods of that CCO has used to great avail um, in the cancer system and applied those into the world of uh, chronic kidney disease. And I think there's still opportunities. And think about, you know, we're on the cusp of, you know, probably unprecedented investments in mental health services and thinking about, you know, the, the provincial apparatus that would be required uh, to really support, you know, high impact investments in mental health services or the methods that are very similar to the things that Cancer Care Ontario built over, over a decade. And it won't be done in a day, but I think that there's an opportunity here for us to really make a difference in, in you know, diseases and conditions that actually, you know, impact large patient populations that do not have uh, the same kind of provincial infrastructure that some others uh, do. Um, there's obviously been, you know, some discussion about, um, you know, is there a trimmer way to do this? And each of these agencies um, has, you know, a full senior management team and back office supports. I think, you know, at the end of the day, we will have strong verticals in, in cancer and in renal care as examples. Um, but there are some opportunities to streamline, um, you know, some of the common functions um, across uh, the various health agencies. We're starting to do a bit of asset mapping. Um, and just, you know, recently on the real estate side, I can tell you there are 158 leases or properties within the portfolio of agencies that are, are uh, going to be rolled into Ontario Health. That's a lot of leases and, uh, and real estate to, to have in the agency world. So that's the kind of thing that I think we need to look at. Are there opportunities to consolidate and, uh, you know, look at the footprint uh, of, uh, of the agencies and, and get some more value from uh, the government's investment and not necessarily, you know, work in those verticals but also across um, silos. And so we did a lot of thinking at the beginning about did we want to have, you know, a clinical agency, a, uh, an agency that would focus on digital health and an agency that would kind of look at getting more value out of procurement. And then we kind of kind of gave our head a shake and thought, yeah, but actually digital is the way that healthcare is going to be delivered, and so why would we not want to have our digital resources closest to our clinical resources? Why would we not want to have our clinicians and our clinical leadership telling us more about how we can buy things that actually make the most sense? So we really wanted the clinical side of the house to be starting to drive as much as we could on the digital and, and the procurement. So one big agency seemed to be the right way. It's a challenge, uh, for sure, and I will say that, you know, we will stand up this agency in a thoughtful way in phases. And so just because the legislation is moving along um, at a clip uh, doesn't mean that on the date of proclamation that everything is going to fold in on, you know, the 1st of July uh, into the agency by any means. Uh, the idea is that we can proclaim in phases, we can make sure that we've got a management structure that makes sense, that we can migrate agencies in a phased approach that actually is, you know, respectful to the important mandates that those agencies uh, provide. And so that's our, that's our commitment. And I know uh, the Board of Ontario Health, um, which is not yet a crown agency, it's actually a, a not-for-profit corporation until the agency is, uh, the legislation is passed, is very seized with making sure that that uh, is done in a, in a, in a very orderly, stepwise uh, way. So that's very much part of the, the thinking. And so really, um, let's go back here, is that, you know, the plan is based on building, you know, bringing the best of what we have and, again, scaling those up across the system. And, and part of Ontario Health Teams that really excites me is that they are also, they're organized service delivery, but they're also knowledge transfer nodes, right? If we have 30 to 50 Ontario Health Teams across the province, we'll have a, probably a better idea about how we can get information across the system. We want to improve access to secure digital tools, and uh, we really are just trying to catch up to where patients are telling us that they want from their from their system. So I see Matthew here. You probably want me to stop and answer some questions. That's okay. <laughs> All right. Um, and I think you know Ontario Health will play an important role in overseeing this transformation with the ministry. If we could do this all on our own, we probably would have done it before, but we actually need the capabilities of our agency uh, to uh, really enable you know. Um, performance measurement, performance management, clinical guidelines, and really help us support the providers to work in a different way. And it really is going to help us provide 
a, a common approach to, to integrating uh, care and really, you know, improving and I think elevating um, our accountability and oversight of the system. As I say, it brings together the, the digital assets um, that exist in eHealth Ontario, although I think we really need to build out a stronger kind of consumer health digital uh, presence, and that's uh, definitely sort of part of the initial planning, even within eHealth, as they start to prepare for this transition. And I think really, you know, it is about moving forward uh, with speed uh, and impact, but in as, as kind of a, as practical as, and as a sort of stepwise way that actually makes sense uh, for the system. So taken together, we're really looking at, you know, as I say, closing the gap uh, between wh what people want from the healthcare system and what we actually deliver. Uh, you know, our job in the ministry, and it will change once we have Ontario health teams up and running and once we have an agency um, with the kind of breadth of mandate uh, that it will have. Um, our job is to set out the expectations, um, the consequences, the rewards, uh, of delivering high-quality care without necessarily being the micromanager that has uh, characterized some of the work of the ministry. And, you know, I've certainly been part of that, and it's a, probably our natural inclination, but we actually have to find a way to pull back and really focus on, on outcomes. The intention is to put the resources um, and decision-making closer to patients and really enabling innovation uh, across the health care sector. And as I look out in the room, I see, you know, leaders who are fully capable of embracing this change, and uh, it's very heartening uh, to see all of you here today, and uh, and know that you're, you know, you have a willing partner in government, and uh, I know you'll tell us when we've got it right, and I know you'll tell us when we've got it wrong. So, and actually, we're all in this together. So, I really appreciate that very much, and uh, happy to take questions. Thank you. Doris is the first one who wants to ask a question. So uh, if you do have a question, raise your hand. Rebecca will be on this side. I will be on this side. So I assume that we have just a few questions. So uh, Helen, you have heard the question and I have heard the answer, but I think it's uh, for others maybe interesting. Um, and I presented yesterday on the bill and the biggest concern because Quite frankly, we were supportive also of the LINs at the time, Arenio, and we asked for the actually dissolving of the CCACs. Our only and biggest concern is that the same mistakes that happen with the LINs happen now, that we only do the restructuring, but we don't focus on clinical services. And by that specifically, I mean the beefing up of primary care. Uh, 10,000 nurses already are working in primary care and are not working to full scope by no means, and 5,000 or 4,500 are sitting in the offices in the LINs. We ask at the time that they need to be in primary care. We are asking the same again. Yep. They need to be in primary care. I don't, we're not going to have an argument about this here, but um, I would agree that you know there is a whole discussion to be had about where, where, what the right location is of care coordination. If you think about all this moving closer to patients, it has to move to closer to where the patients are. And that means in the clinical setting. Um, I've answered Doris before on this, largely but maybe not exclusively primary care. I can see care coordinators working in community support agencies actually, in addition to primary care. I can see, you know, and again, we'll reflect on other conversations. There are also, you know, I said hospitals, you said, Helen, there's already a lot of discharge planners in hospitals, so I've, I've listened to you. So I think, you know, there's an opportunity here to really look at what care coordinators do and make sure that they're really adding value and working in a very connected way with the whole clinical team. And that means all the resources that are assembled to work together in Ontario health teams to really make sure that they're making a difference uh, for patients. You know, I happen to have, you know, the dubious benefit of having, you know, two parents who have been on home care and seen the multiple assessments, seen the role of the, the Lynn care coordinators, the coordinators that work inside the health service provider, um, asking questions about what other services could be provided beyond the, the Lynn provided services and being a little frustrated myself. Um, that may be an N of one, but, and it's not driving policy by any means, but I think it's a real challenge for, for people to actually get the services they need and feel that their care coordinator is really part of their team. 
uh, I actually have a question as well. Um, so yesterday, or on Friday, I posted a, an opinion from Matthew Anderson, and he discussed housing. You're supposed to be here. <laughs> <laughs> and he discussed housing, and I've also heard about yeah. transportation and yeah. other ministries and other sectors, and I just wonder how we avoid the infighting. Yeah, so I'll go back to, you know, what was sort of the fantastic thing that I took away from some of the work on health links was, anybody here from Waterloo, but at Waterloo it didn't take very long for the health links table and the community safety table to actually merge because they realized that they were dealing with the same population. And if you go back to this, you know, whether it's Ontario health teams or health links, and Ontario health teams I think is a more evolved idea than, than health links. Um, you could see how, you know, many of the stories that came from that, it was actually community transportation or housing that would make a difference to a whole trajectory of care. You could get this much health service, or you can get this much health service and some housing and some community transportation, total cost being less, but actually having more impact for people. And so I think as Ontario health teams actually evolve and start to connect and really focus on patients that those needs will naturally emerge. Our job in government is going to be to try and catch up, but you know, the minute we start to see some money moving around patients to actually support them with non-health services as a substitution, I think that will be a day where I'm pretty happy because I think that's kind of it, we're not having the whole system move that way, but you know, certainly some that's uh, around patients. So that will be, a, a, I think, a victory for us and, and to show that it actually can work. One of the things that um, I didn't talk about is that Ontario Health will have regional presence. So it's not all being centralized into you know, Toronto, for example. There will be regional offices. They won't be doing exactly the same things um, as, uh, as the LINs, but we're very much hoping that the geography of the Ontario Health Teams will actually be the same geography as some of our other ministries, which is kind of a start. And this is, you know, sounds kind of bureaucratic, but this has proven elusive to actually have government departments all planning on the same unit. And uh, many deputies have tried to actually crack that. We now have a chance here to actually work in the same geography as our colleagues in children's and community and social services. And again, I think that will bring a little bit more natural coherence uh, to some of the work that we do around populations. So Helen, Hi, uh, hello, good morning. So you're quite right, there's extraordinary enthusiasm groups across the uh, province. And uh, my question relates to the, uh, a bit of a granular aspect or at least theme. A lot of times when um, people begin talking about what uh, they're going to do in their organization with partners to develop either an OHT or just the general concept, Sometimes the conversation devolves to current legislative barriers, whether it's PHIPA or PLACERTA, et cetera, et cetera. I wonder if you could comment just in a general sense, not necessarily specifically, as to how we as healthcare leaders ought to frame these perceived or real barriers and uh, how we work together with government to make sure that these are not getting in the way of uh, excellent progress. Thanks, that's a great question. Um, so I would see them as kind of speed bumps but not barriers and what we want to do is um, actually know what I think we know what some of them are and you just gave two um, but I think you know what are the things that are getting in the way of truly integrated care we need to actually work alongside the whole as a system transforms to basically start to remove those barriers and uh, you know some of them turn out to be policies and those are actually pretty darn easy some of them are legislation, and you know we have a chance several times a year, actually, to uh, introduce legislation in budget bills and the fall economic statement and other things to actually remove those barriers. Uh, Denise Cole has been basically charged uh, with doing this. She's just leaving the ministry now, but uh, you know we've already done some work on the barriers that have been brought to us. So I think this is a constant and iterative process, which is why we need to work so closely with the Ontario health teams is to figure out what are the things that are really in the way. I would say, you know, there are, there are some discussions to be had with the Information Privacy Commissioner because we need to be able to move information around the team a whole lot better. We need people to be able to work as a team um, and, uh, you know, how do we enable that uh, in a way that uh, makes sense for everybody. Um, but I think there's a whole lot of other ones um, and uh, we're a little bit rigid. so. 
Uh, we're going to have to, it's, it's going to be a learning experience for the ministry to kind of get out of being kind of rules-based and process-oriented to become outcomes-focused, uh, but we will get there. So Helen, uh, it's a great transition. I want to pick up on this um, uh, setting goals and providing minimum specs. And yep. I, I, I'm really quite pleased when you talk about accountability, both the upside for mm -hmm. Ontario health teams and the downside uh, if they don't meet yep. their goals. The systems that have done something akin to this uh, across the world have a history and actually a skill set of actuarial skills. And if I were on a leader of an Ontario health team, I'd be quite scared right now going to the ministry and saying, I'm going to take this on because I don't know enough about my population, how to risk adjust, what a reasonable payment model would look like. And, and that seems to me to be uh, an area that we need to substantially develop in the province in order to take some of the risk not accountability, but take some of the risk away from these Ontario health teams. So can you talk about that? Yeah, I think we're going to have to learn to, you know, that through the early adopters and actually, so I agree, there's, there's payment models. Um, you know, we're going to have to up our game on analytics uh, for sure. I actually am quite interested in predictive analytics and looking at artificial intelligence and are there opportunities there to actually see around corners and, and to start to sort of model out populations and impacts and you know I think about my time in renal care where we had 20% of our patients were uh, crash starts and other people were being followed by nephrologists you know for decades and were progressing so how do we actually kind of more cl closely connect the the resource with the needs we you know I and we're, we're looking at opportunities for you know better costing information as well I think that's a real challenge is actually you know, using our costing information as a management tool, and there are places that do a better job than we do. So all of that has to be kind of part of the picture. I would say that's an excellent job to ask Ontario Health to actually do some work on our behalf. I think about, you know, again, the depth of resource in analytics that's at Cancer Care Ontario, the relationships we have with Walter and some of the other scientists in the province. I think we need to actually throw out a challenge to them about how to do this better. And the, 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 the Ontario health teams will actually um, demand it, right? And so, you know, we're not mature enough in every part of this to, do, to scale this up today. I think it's a, it's a journey for us, but you hit the nose on the, whatever. Hit it on the nose. That's exactly what we need to do. Hi, Adriana. Hi. Um, thank you. I'm Adriana for the Alliance for Healthcare Communities. Um, I'm really pleased that you made the comment about Bill 74 and uh, the commitment to equity in the preamble. I'm hoping as part of the hearing, we're going to be there today, mm -hmm. that it actually moves into the objects. Because we know if it's in the preamble, but it's not in the objects, it doesn't have the legislative weight. So, uh, you know, one of those improvements we'd like Great. to see. A couple other comments. You talk about care coordinators. 50% of Ontario's primary care providers today have access to interprofessional teams. And so 50% are ready right now to take the care coordinators. Um, we don't need to wait for the Ontario health teams to do that. And I really urge you to think about how you can move those into the teams that are ready now. Um, we don't need to wait. And I, I, we've been asking, we've got partners sitting here right now who really are ready for that. So I wanted That's to great. kind of make that comment, but there's no place to take that. There seems to be an emphasis on doing it at the Ontario Health teams. I don't think we have to wait. Yeah. So that's the second point. The other and final, and it relates to funding, and I'm glad the question was asked. Um, but we have right now, and I'm really, really happy that you're talking about relationships and the importance of relationship building, but there still is a huge power imbalance with these very large hospitals and small community groups. Even though the community groups have the trust, they have the relationships, but the hospitals have the VP of integration that they're hiring, the huge money to bring in big consulting companies, and so I'm just wondering how you're going to deal with the imbalance um, that exists. And my final point, because I don't have any... Yep. You said, yeah, I know, this, I only have one chance, right? So um, bundled care, you talk about funding from a bundled care perspective. And I know there was a lot of learning, but when you're dealing with primary care and chronic disease, bundled care is not actually, I don't understand how you can use episodic care that's bundled care and translate that learning to lifetime primary care, care coordination, mental health addictions, chronic conditions. And so the same question about how you're going to do this funding, I think is going to be really critical. And every time anybody speaks to it, they say, but we've learned from bundled care. And I'm, I, I can't, they're different. 
And yeah, so I'm trying to understand that a little bit. Yeah, I think the lessons around bundled care me, for me are more about, there might be some technical parts of it, but it's also just about the relationships that have been provided. And actually, it's probably the learnings have been maybe the most profound for us in terms of starting to get out of siloed thinking inside the ministry about how to basically follow patients across a journey. So I think, you know, it's given us some muscle memory inside the ministry about how to work differently with the sector. Um, on, the, on the imbalance, you know, I think we're, we're going to have to be vigilant about this. I know Doris has some very firm ideas about how we can uh, address the imbalance. Um, and, uh, you know, whether it's money, whether it's additional support, whether it's initially making sure that the, the you know, the, the very few that are the early adopters, the leaderships are coming from different places. Um, you know, and I'll go back because it's sort of fresh in my mind. I've been thinking a lot about the health links example. We did have health links that were developed by, you know, Woodgreen and that were not even health service providers at the time. Those are pretty interesting, right? And so, you know, we're going to see what works, but, you know, I, I don't think this is going to be kind of one model that's, you know, hospital out and, and that uh, we need to allow for, for different approaches and see what actually produces the outcomes that we're looking for. And if we have to put our thumb on the scale a little bit, uh, we will, um, and uh, see, you know, what that looks like. Because I think we want to try, you know, so it is a process of, of learning, and so I think we want to try some different approaches, and certainly community-led and, uh, you know, we have Tarek Azmi in the, uh, in the minister's office, so we have somebody who's, you know, actively uh, has run a, a CHC. We have um, uh, some CHC and, and family health team expertise on the Board of Ontario Health. So I think, you know, you've got people there who actually um, are, are looking out for the community side of the house because it's that part of the system that really has to actually do a lot of the heavy lifting around Ontario health teams. Thanks, Helen. So uh, the vision and the wow, change... All my friends are asking questions. Hi, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> but, but hopefully kind questions. Okay. Uh, no, no, the vision good. and the changes are pretty exciting for the potential for Ontario. Mm -hmm. um, and we also know that you know, structure will help and it'll get some of the frustrations out of the way. But healthcare works today because of the people who work in it. Uh, and they work around the challenges, right? They're very endeavorous, they're innovative, and they're very committed to people. So what message would you have for the people working in the system as the macro system makes these changes? I think, you know, first of all, you know, it, there's a message of, of, you know, calm and stability. It all sounds very big, but, um, you know, we've been telling organizations, you know, keep doing the work that you're doing that actually you know, impacts patients. And if it's good work, you know, it obviously, you know, has great value. So, you know, keep your head down. But I think also for, for frontline providers, um, that's where the emphasis in this whole transformation is. So I, hopefully there'll be, you know, more opportunities for you to collaborate, um, you know, be part of, you know, Adriana's point, half of the uh, primary care providers don't work in interprofessional teams. Ontario health teams are actually interprofessional by definition. So, you know, you will have more connectivity and more resource at your avail to, you know, basically do the job that you want to do working with, uh, with your patients. So I think that's kind of the message. It may take a while to come to your community because, but there are opportunities to get involved now um, in creating it, right? So for those who kind of have an interest in being, you know, in sort of working through these issues and figuring out the relationships in their own community, there are so many tables being set up by, you know, kind of see on Twitter uh, that there are, are meetings happening across the province, again, in the absence of the guidance information. So clearly, this is something that, you know, people want to work on. And if they care about their patients, they should find a, um, you know, a receptivity to their inclusion and, uh, and you know, their contribution. So I think it's kind of a heyday in a, for them. I hope, I'm hoping it is, that it's actually something that really you know, makes them feel that their work is valued. Hi, I'm Jean Schmidt from Centre de Santé Communautaire Hamilton, Niagara. Oh, hi. Nice to see you again. Yeah. I've, I met you uh, with the Health Links a number of years ago because I was a Niagara Southwest yeah, Health Link that's when League. that picture was taken too. Exactly, ago, yeah. yeah I, I thought I recognized the slide. Um, I just have a couple of questions, but firstly, uh, so we have a francophone community health center um, in a very English world in Hamilton and Niagara. And 
to date, the accountability for other agencies to provide services in French, even in the French-designated uh, regions of Welland, Port Colborne, and Hamilton. Um, so the accountab accountability framework thus far has been that these agencies need to have a French language service plan. Um, so I just want to kind of speak on behalf of our staff and all of our clients to let you know that a French language service plan is just that. It's a pile of papers where service providers can check I've got my FLS in place, but it doesn't provide any services. So when I go home today and I'm speaking with my staff and I'm speaking with my clients, what can I tell them will be different this time around, given that you've already indicated that you want to be governing uh, at an arm's length? You don't, you really want to let communities kind of figure it out and do it their own way to best serve the clients. So far, uh, no one in the community except for us has really fought for French language services. And we're really the only show in town that actually provides services in French. The Welland Hospital has a sign on each, each and every one of its doors saying, uh, here we speak French, but the signs don't provide services because no one inside the building speaks French. So I want to go back today and say, I went all the way to Toronto, I got up at six in the morning, I had a little quiche, and I've got some news. So what would that news be? So I think the news is that you know, first of all, you need to look at the guidance materials that are coming out on Ontario Health Teams, and they will be out before the end of the week, all things, you know, all things being equal, um, hopefully, you know, within the next couple of days. So that will be helpful. But I think you actually have an opportunity when you see what the expectations are, is to continue to, to advocate and, and be embedded in the governance of an Ontario Health Team in your area that actually continues to drive improvements and access to services for the francophone community and so I think you have a chance to shape it there and we can you know it, it's clearly an expectation um, in the legislation and we will support you to be able to do that so um, and I think you have to look at how then you deploy the resources that you have within your organization um, you know across the population and, and maybe you have to reach into the hospital and find a new relationship with them in order to be able to serve francophones uh, when they're in the hospital but I think you've got to you've got to work on what's going to work locally but uh, you know that commitment to those populations is very much part of the legislation and, and I know Adriana will talk about that this afternoon hi Helen you said oh, something geez, about Susan. wanting questions from your friends <laughs> so um, I'm just wondering what the, think, the current thinking is on the defined patient population yeah. because I think some of the early feedback we're getting is try to concentrate on a geography, but there's also like some really interesting opportunities to actually concentrate on a group of people. For example, in Toronto, we've talked about women yep. uh, because we have a hospital, uh, we have uh, uh, organizations in the community. So what will the guidance, you know, Tell us about that. Yeah. I mean, so I think of Ontario Health Teams as largely a geographic concept, but not entirely. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, we have uh, to the bent, you know, what I guess informed our thinking was a very interesting proposal that predates the, the sort of the brand of an Ontario Health Team that came from CHEO. So CHEO, Children's Hospital of Eastern Ontario, is the hospital, is the children's treatment center, and is the home care provider. Kind of interesting, right? So you've got a confluence there of three, um, you know, kind of providers all in one organization, and they have developed a proposal which, again, could look at pediatrics there and, and probably have some critical mass in order to be an integrated, you know, delivery organization. Now, whether that, you know, is exactly on brand for an Ontario health team, the other thing I would say is there's opportunities to improve connectivity and integration that may not be an Ontario health team. It's not the only thing we're going to do. <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, I think we want to be flexible. Uh, we originally thought, you know, I guess the literature suggests, you know, 300,000-ish is kind of a good number to do the risk adjustment and other things that Brian talked about. But, you know, that's not going to work in Northern Ontario. Um, it means the whole of Northwestern Ontario is one Ontario health team. I don't think that's a viable proposition. So context matters, I think. And all the work that you would do um, around sort of integrating care around a population, 
you have to see whether it really fits with an Ontario health team, but it might be worth doing regardless. And so I think that's the kind of discussion that we need to have, and we need to look at the metrics that are going to be suggested that everybody work towards and see whether that idea can actually forward movement on those metrics and make sure that we're not leaving people behind. Uh, we have time for one more. Any takers? Totally clear. Might be your last chance. I doubt it. They're all going to... Well, we're going to have lots of conversations about this over the coming years. Well, with that, oh, we do. Here we go. Thanks. My name's Andrew Williams. I work in uh, Southwest Ontario in a group called the Hermperth Healthcare Alliance. And first of all, thank you for your leadership. I think change is always challenging, mm -hmm. but it's important. And, you know, we're all committed to doing what's best for our patients and the communities we serve. My, my question, it's a bit granular. Uh, the health teams are voluntary. Yep. Uh, lots of information yet to come. Is it the vision of the ministry that all health service providers will ultimately be part of a health team, or will there be flexibility in sort of how you approach various regions and streams of care? I think at the end of the day, um, if this proves to be beneficial to patients, then, you know, the intention will be to have all Ontario health providers be part of a team. And uh, I think the guidance material will say that quite clearly. Um, and so, you know, at some point, um, it becomes problematic for, for organizations to sit, or a whole geography to sit and be an island where, you know, we're not going to collaborate and coordinate around the patients if it actually proves to be really, truly beneficial. Um, I know, you know, there's some pretty interesting ideas actually, you know, in your neck of the woods. So, you know, we're a ways away from making it mandatory. We want to work with the early adopters, but again, if this is if this is really has the promise that it has. I think we've all got to work towards it to cover the province. So as you're uh, gathering up and uh, getting ready for the rest of your day, our next Breakfast with the Chiefs is April 30th. It'll be moderated by Will Falk and will feature Arden Crystal, the President and CEO from Southlake, uh, with Brendan Carr, the President and CEO from Osler. And they will be discussing health system reform and lessons from BC. So that's April 30th. Uh, other than that, have a fantastic morning. Thank you.